Vercel is the platform for front-end developers, providing the speed and reliability innovators need to create at the moment of inspiration. Founded by the creators of Next.js, Vercel has zero configuration support for 35-plus front-end frameworks, including SvelteKit. We enable the world's largest brands like Under Armour, eBay, and Nintendo to iterate faster and create quality software. Try out Vercel today to experience the easiest way to use Svelte. Hey, it's another episode of Svelte Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, we, we're two people here. Well, actually, two in, in addition to me, I mean, sorry. So I'm joined by Brittany and Sean. Anthony's hey. missing today. Hey. How's it going? Uh, good to be here. Good to, good to catch, catch yeah. up as well. Um, what's yeah. new in the world of Svelte? <laughs> yeah, what what is new in the world of Svelte? But maybe first, what's what's new in the world of uh, of Swix and Brittany? Like, what what are you what are you guys been up to? Uh, Brittany, you go first. <laughs> oh, okay, let's see. I've been crazy busy. I did Jamstack Conf last week, and then this week I'm recovering from a cold, and I have to MC Remix Conf EU tomorrow. So, Ooh. a little bit of a traitor, I know. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. okay. Remix is is special. Um, yeah, remix yeah. is cool. It's one of the I good ones. Like no, I'm, it's good I don't ones. know. <laughs> what, what do you? Uh, what have you learned from emceeing so many different things? I I think I'm just getting more comfortable with it and rolling with the punches, but also that being more prepared is better. Like they have slides with like actual notes for everybody, and I love that. So I think I'm going to use that in the future. How I have like little notes about every talk and things going forward. So no improv anymore, is what I you're mean, saying? I mean, there has to be improv. That has to like yeah. exist to make it fun. But it was funny. I was adding in some of my own notes and like personal experiences to these. And the person came back to me and she's like, yeah, we're not really supposed to talk more about the sponsors. Like, just put them in here and leave this like that. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So maybe, maybe I can't <laughs> improv this one. We'll see. Mm. All right. Yeah. I mean, so how many how many conferences have you have you emceed now? I did Svelte Summit, Svelte Summit. and then I did Veet Conf, and then now Remix Conf. I was gonna do Nuxt Nation yesterday, but they had a weird situation right. where they had uh, me and Jinjunad doing a different day each, and then they wanted somebody to do both days, and I was not available today, so they just went ahead um, and went with her, which is totally fine. Gotcha. I don't want to do two in one week, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, see, that seems reasonable. Yeah. They just released version three, I think, as well. I have no idea what's in it, but they did. Yeah, I I really am not familiar with that ecosystem either. So it was probably yeah, best same. that I did not do that. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Cool. How about you, Sean? Sean? I just did a writing retreat, which I know, uh, Brittany, you wanted oh, to come yeah. for. Uh, but there was, uh, yeah, that was that was last week, and basically I led a workshop of twenty five folks um, for five days straight, and that was very tiring. But uh, honestly, one of the most uh, fun and challenging things I've done this year, and 
I don't know what to conclude from that. Um, obviously, I, most people cannot do writing retreats just because you have to travel. It's one whole week. Like it's a it's a long slog. But I think people really appreciated essentially a, a air cover for a holiday that has some <laughs> professional development, but then also some some like local community, right? Like that. That uh, I think writing is a very lonely endeavor, and if you have a brief period where you're like talking to other people who are also interested in the same things. That's the benefit of having like a small little retreat format like that. Yeah. It looked really nice. I saw some of the pictures. It looked like you had a good turnout and was it good? <laughs> yeah. um, was was I there mean, a storm as well? I yeah, saw there, was a, there was a hurricane. <laughs> uh, well, there's a tropical storm on the Wednesday and then the forecast was like, okay, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is going to be like this. And so one of our attendees was actually freaked out and moved her flight so that she could leave early. And then right after she left, the storm cleared up. Uh, and oh, it was no. beautiful. <laughs> no. Oh, that sucks. That does suck. So so when it comes to, to to like a writing retreat, that that must be kind of different to what to what what you're used to doing in general. Yeah, I've I never guess. been to a writing retreat. Uh, and here yeah. I am organizing one. Yeah. Well, I think partially I have modeled it essentially on what I know uh, normal writers do. You know, I think a lot of developer events, you try to invent from first principles, but actually you can just steal from things that exist in the regular human world uh, and bring it over. And There's I know world? What? professional writers, professional writers do these sorts of things, right? Like they, they get together and then they, they share, they share their goals. They like, they work on their, their own projects, but then, uh, you know, maybe sometimes they'll do some activities together that uh, stretches them a little bit. Um, for me, I, I also served as like a mentor for people who uh, need that kind of mentorship. Uh, but there are some people there who, uh, you know, don't definitely don't need anything from me. Like they are successful authors of their own. Um, Philip Kylie wrote uh, writing for software developers, and Monica Lentz uh, also came, who was uh, who's the I mean, who's uh, who runs blogging for de developers. Um, so I think um, I think the appeal of like come join us and in the morning we'll work on some skills and in the afternoon you can work on your own projects and then we'll get together every evening i think that's a really good format for uh, most people who are trying to improve uh, on any skill uh, it could be writing it could be uh, devrel it could be programming uh, kind of doesn't matter oh yeah. i think a devrel retreat would be really awesome <laughs> yeah we actually talked we had two youtubers there uh, three actually and uh we're talking about like, you know, what, what would it take for a dev YouTube retreat? Uh, turns out there is a small little, I mean, YouTube is actually probably more developed than writing. And they've already done a couple of retreats already just among YouTube creators. And I think sometimes that can be a bit intimidating because a lot of these are very well-established channels of like hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And it might work that, uh, you know, for, for, for people who are smaller or just getting started, then you might want to do a separate thing. Uh, I don't know. Like, it is definitely true, the logistics of organizing retreat. Um, like, you're no longer just creating content. You're also, like, telling people where to go and what, what time to eat. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, if people, you know, have any, have any other issues, you need to take care of that. So, yeah, definitely needs a lot, lot of logistical overhead. And I, I couldn't have done it without uh, Michelle, who was, who was my operational partner. Nice. Mm -hmm. Kevin cool. probably knows a little bit about that, right? From yeah. like, <laughs> trying to organize. Yeah, all that. I mean, I, it wasn't a retreat; it was just a conference. So yeah, but still, like yeah. organizing and getting all the schedule and the food and all yeah. that, you did a great job for sure. Yeah, you have anything so, new updates? 
Yes, yes. But before that, I wanted to ask you one more question, Sean. Like you, you mentioned, like it's a it's a pretty lonely thing writing in general, right? And it, and it is. But have you have you experimented with like writing together with someone? Because I know you write you write a lot of blog posts and stuff, right? So no, I have not because I don't think that adds anything to me. Um, also, my writing schedule is very random. Like sometimes it will just be like late at night. I just feel like writing and do it. Um, sometimes it'll be Saturday, you know, uh, in in the af- afternoon after after lunch or something. Um, so I don't really have the time to schedule with someone. Um, and yep, if, if we end, we're going to sit on a Zoom call and type in silence. Like I don't think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah like pair uh, writing instead of yeah, pair coding. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I think um, I think occasional getting together is useful, and then for most of it, you don't have to have any accompaniment. Uh, I think it's just like yeah. nice to 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 know that like you're not alone in uh, in facing some of the problems that you might face. I guess it could work more of as like a like at the concept stage of of a post or or whatever, right? Like discussing the merits One thing of, of something. we do now at Netlify is have pillars of the content. And so we fill out the pillars and then we share that for feedback. And so we'll get feedback on our, it's like your persona and like who you're writing for and what you're writing about and why you're writing it. And then you'll do your outline and get feedback on that. And then you do your post and get feedback. So it's kind of like that, but you're writing all of it. You just get feedback and comments along the way. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what have, what have I been doing? I, I mentioned last week on last week's episode that I was, uh, doing subtitles for all of the uh, for all of the videos and the streams. That's now done. So we have OpenAI Whisper subtitles for all of the videos on the channel, and even some translated ones as well. So you can go back and watch the Svelte Society Day France 2020 if you want to. Oh, with thank English you so subtitles. much for doing that. That's amazing. <laughs> it's actually, I'm very tempted to build like a service that does the, does this. Yeah, things. I think that so I there, there's some automation work that we could do there to make it easier on you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I already have like a like a an outline of what I what I want to build around this, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that um, sounds fun. But yeah, so do it other on than stream. that, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, unless I want to turn it into like some SaaS or something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then keep it secret. <laughs> yes, yes. It's not a very hard thing to build, though, I suppose. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. I've been working a bit on the kit base template thing, uh, upgrading the, the pocket base version to 0.8, which is a pretty large update. So there's a, a lot of things that are broken that need fixing. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently working on that. And then, um, yeah, and then I'm going to the- start... Is that That's the pocket the, base API that upgraded and broke something? Yes, yes, mm. exactly. Yeah. They changed the API bit and uh so so I That's need always to fun. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> right? Spell kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. Um Yeah, so let's get into to uh the topics that we have lined up today. Uh first off, we have um I don't know how to pronounce it, Threlt. I think that's right. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's uh, it's it's probably like the the easiest way to describe it is uh, it's a more mature version of Svelte Cubed, kind of. That's was my impression as well. Yeah. So it's so built on three JS. Is that? Yeah, I I think so. The library that's uh, under the under, hood. under the hood. Yeah, and then I I haven't been able to look at it that closely yet, but 
Uh, I'm going to take a look at the the stream that Willow did, uh, I think a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, I watched a lot of the video, but I had to leave towards the end, so I missed some of it. But yeah, it looks amazing. Like, I just love all of the 3D work that you can do with these libraries. It's kind of crazy. And it's very declarative. Like uh, Willow was mentioning, a lot of the code is like very easy to write. And rather than 3JS, you have to write more low-level stuff. This is more declarative, so you can tell a little bit easier what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks like, so they posted in the subreddit as well. And uh, I think they only had like a, like a video or it might even have been a game or something like a Pong game. It looked oh, very nice. cool at least. So I'm going to post that That as would well be really cool if we start getting games built in Svelte. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is, this is actually extra interesting to me for a number of reasons. So I've been playing around with something called Remotion lately, which is a React framework for writing, uh, I guess, videos, which is very cool. So you can programmatically write everything, uh, all the transitions and all of that stuff. And I'm, I, I'm wondering if maybe you could combine that with a D3 library like Threlt. I don't know. So to do like 3D transitions in video? Yeah, just 3D stuff in general in videos. That would be Could cool. Be fun. Yeah. Doesn't Remotion require React? It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm just like thinking out loud if if there's a tool like Threlt, but can for can React, we make sure Remotion in Svelte? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, actually, there, <laughs> yeah. actually, I I asked this specific question on Twitter and I got a reply. So there's actually uh someone who did that, but it's it's very much like a a beta thing. It's called Svelte in Motion. Mm. And it's oh, nice. it's basically the same thing. Uh, I'm gonna link that here as well. Yeah, I tried out Remotion. I, I felt like it was just so hard because you have to can code every single CSS uh, yeah. variable um, and and transition and and uh, all the you know tweening or whatever. I don't think it's that productive. Like unless you want like programmatic control, like like you said, it's not super productive compared to. Uh, a dedicated video editing software, but um, I, I, I mean, for sure, it's yeah, yeah it's gonna, it's like it's there for some, it's good for some use cases, but I found it less productive compared to just producing a regular video on yeah, even Keynote, right? Like if if you want to you do some simple animations in Keynote, that would probably be much much faster than doing it in Remotion. Yeah, yeah, or even just using Figma or something. You can yeah. you could do transitions there as well. So I I think for for me the the use case would be something like audiograms like you 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 cut a bit of audio from the podcast and then maybe you put a, a video in the background and then you have some text and some like audio waves that you can post on like YouTube short or uh, or Instagram or something or Twitter yep. even so that that would be what, what I would use it for probably like I wouldn't I wouldn't edit like a full-on like one hour video in it I think yeah but maybe I don't know <laughs> Did you see that Remotion got funding? Yes, yes. I was they super happy with that. as well. Pretty interesting. And it's Remotion in general, just it's it's such a cool thing. Like even, even if, if there aren't that many use cases for, for like longer form videos, it's just like a really cool technical thing. Yeah. All right. So maybe uh, at some point we can try out Threlt and, and give it a review. For yeah, some, I know. We went like from episode. Threlt to Motion to... <laughs> <laughs> we went through the spectrum there, but that's what we started talking about. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Throughout.xyz. I would say the Throughout team have been marketing every single day. They put it, definitely been putting a lot of work uh, into the docs. Yes. So this is one of the most, I don't know, uh, just serious efforts to come out of this whole ecosystem I've seen. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Someone's really tackling this. I like, I want to put this, I want to put something like this on my, uh, my own landing page or homepage. Um, so I just need to figure out what I'm going to show. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's like, it's awesome when you get to like a website and it has this cool, like 3d thing, yeah, even right. if it's just a small thing, yeah. it's very, very enticing and very, what's the, what's and, the And word? that's the thing with 3d, right? Like there's just so much to go over that having more and more examples is, uh, is super useful. So I, hopefully I can find something to copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> the life of a, of a programmer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's throughout. And next up we have something called Svelte CMS, which is very much, uh, maybe not a thing yet. We only have a tweet. And the video and a yeah video demo. Uh, I was gonna say I went looking for it and could not find a website or anything. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's launched yet. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, you know, they they tagged uh, Spell Society on it, and I looked at it. I was, I was like, okay, like you know, it's a pretty serious uh, CMS project, and. If you want to, you know, uh, if you want to, like a, a felt built CMS, like this, this might be it. But uh, I don't know. Like uh, I, I think it was an interesting new project that came on the scene this week. So I figured I'll throw it on the yeah, board. It is. It looks really nice too. It's a nice UI. Yeah. Yeah. Not much else we can really say about it. Yeah. I wish there was like a GitHub <laughs> repo or something that we could at least like look at what's going on. But well, maybe, seventeen maybe minutes soon. ago they said it will. They will make their main repo public soon. So oh, look at that! Like. <laughs> Right on time. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes if we get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next thing up is Sveltosis. If you haven't heard about Mitosis, which is what the original one was, Builder.io released this product where you could write JSX-like code and then transfer that into other languages, including Svelte. But now Sveltosis, which was a side project, has been integrated into it. So now you can write Svelte code and also transfer that into other languages. And it is released and active. Uh, Kevin's got some bugs with it. Maybe he'll talk about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 looks cool. Like, like just uh, if you go on a mitosis website, like the mitosis.builder.io, and you mm -hmm. click the, like you you'll first have the mitosis JSX thing selected, right? And then you just switch to the sveltosis one, and just half the code disappears, which is always nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love seeing like the lines disappear. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty cool. Um, so now. You can write Svelte and export it as React, so you can write Svelte at your React job. Yay! <laughs> exactly. So now, if they won't just switch to Svelte, then you can just write it anyways. Yeah. And... Just YOLO. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there are there are so I, I discovered a, a small bug with uh, reactive statements. So if you have a function in the reactive statements, it, it just doesn't work. Um, and I think the the developer or someone close to the developer uh, replied and said that there were a couple of other bugs as well, yeah. but that they were, they were working on them. So. They said it was working when it was outside of mitosis and something possibly with the migration had oh, caused some bugs. So hopefully they will get those sorted out soon. Yep. All right. 
Vercel is the platform for front-end developers, providing the speed and reliability innovators need to create at the moment of inspiration. Founded by the creators of Next.js, Vercel has zero configuration support for 35-plus front-end frameworks, including SvelteKit. We enable the world's largest brands like Under Armour, eBay, and Nintendo to iterate faster and create quality software. Try out Vercel today to experience the easiest way to use Svelte. All right, next up, what's new in Svelte? It's the, uh, so we're going to talk a bit about the, the newsletter that came out at the beginning of the month. And uh, I think we have one, one important thing in here. Well, I'm, I'm sure there are like, a hundred important things in this newsletter, but like one thing that stands out to me is the optional parameters thing that you can now do. So previously you weren't really able to do language specific sites in SvelteKit without like a, a lot of extra work, but now there's an optional parameter, uh, which means that you just add like double brackets and then a word inside. So you would say, uh, bracket, bracket, lang and then bracket, bracket. And then you could have like a, uh, if you had like an English and then a Spanish site, you could have like, the default would be the English. And then if you have a domain slash ES slash whatever, then that would be your Spanish site. Is that in the link in the what's new in Svelte? Yep, it's, it's a yep. new Svelte kit feature. Yeah, it's the second bullet point under what's new in Svelte kit. Oh, okay. I was searching for Lang when you were talking about how to use it. I was hoping uh, that, that yeah. would be in there, but it's, that might be in the document. It was just my my example. <laughs> I think this is an interesting, it's a question of like, yes, you could do it, but should you do it? <laughs> I'm not really sure. So I, you I don't mean, know what You the, mean multiple websites or no, sorry, multiple languages? Multiple languages with this kind of uh, of name schema, right? Like, so... You could do it by subdomain. So like, let's say, you know, Spanish would be es.domain.com, right? Or you could say, uh, and, and what this is letting you do is, uh, you know, www.domain.com slash es slash home. And I'm not sure that's better. Yeah. I, so I, I think the, the I assume the issue before was that if you had it on a different subdomain, you you would have like a, would that be a separate site? I guess you could you could redirect. Yeah, it would essentially be just, a separate site. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this way you could you could do it on the same site, I guess. Right. And then should you take a cookie and then edge vendor based on what language that they that they have? So you don't like, basically like should you leak language implementation detail to the URL? Right. Like I think some sites right. do that. Some sites don't. And I I don't know what the trade offs are. I think for apps you do not, and then for blogs you do, but I'm not sure that actually that's better compared to just having everyone linked to one canonical URL, regardless of language. Yeah, it kind of ruins SEO, right? I well, don't know. Maybe not ruins, but... Maybe not, right? Yeah, because yeah. maybe people specifically want a thing in some language. And it is very confusing to have one page represent multiple languages, which you could make it do. Yep. So I, I just don't know what the best practice here. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting debate. <laughs> yeah, so I, I remember uh, I, I, I was thinking about this a while back. And like there's some, some Swedish site that will like force you to use the Swedish site, even if I don't want to use the Swedish site. So there's no like language picker or anything. It's just like, I guess they're looking at where I'm 
your headers, your browser, website. your browser, yeah, exactly. with the language. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which and is that, that is super infuriating if you want to like get to the English website or whatever, or the other way around. It's yeah. I like, mean, basic I, principle is you should let the user choose and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm Same not really sure how it feels about this. Yeah. But let the user pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but you know, and then the, another, another interesting angle. So this one essentially opens up one vector of clashing. So if you have like optional param slash dashboard, and then you have slash dashboard with no optional param, you will clash. And I don't know how it should handle that. Yeah, there's some logic in there about how how it matches the route. Um, I'm I don't remember exactly. Yeah, <laughs> what it says. Yeah, so you can't have an optional route after a rest parameter. Okay, right. That, that makes sense, right? Rest is greedy. Uh, yeah. So dot 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 rest is greedy. Uh, yep. That makes sense. So yeah, I don't know. I, I guess you could have you could have always uh, composed dot 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 rest into this feature, but it's nice to have it uh, out of the box. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd have to do a lot of work if you if you did it yourself. No, it's it's like it's probably like ten lines of work. I don't I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm over overestimating it. <laughs> um, but uh, like, okay, so you know, if you had dot 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 rest, like you would have like a essentially like a layout page that would then you know branch based on whatever was in in the rest param, right? Like, so that's how I would think yeah. about it. So you'd have to like rebuild the the entire route system. Is Felkit if you kind of? I mean, you're, you're just maybe you're not. taking a chunk of the route system and then do you have to rebuild it? Oh, yeah, you may have to rebuild it. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so now you don't have to rebuild it because you have it built in the optional pram. Go check it out. If you build uh, international websites, I'm sure this is uh, yeah. more for you than for, for those of us just building in a single language. Uh, has anyone tried the use enhance uh, action, the the new form action? Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if I've tried the latest version of it. So there's a new update method um, that lets you easily get back to the default form behavior while augmenting. Right. Oh, I I thought you could already do that. So I've not tried this particular feature out, the update one. Yeah, it says in the docs, update is a function which triggers the logic that would be triggered if the callback wasn't set for the use enhance method. So, uh, okay, interesting. <laughs> I don't know yeah, when I would I'm, use it. I'm gonna have to try this out before I for a comment on it. I've used the tutorials. like the apply action one and call the... for tutorials if anyone needs to <laughs> see if like screaming at this podcast saying like, of course it's so obvious. Uh, please <laughs> write a tutorial yep. so we can see. <laughs> we need tutorials. Is use Show enhance us. not the form thing that we're it is the form be? thing, but there's a new method on the form thing. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, yes. Called update. I was gonna and say one we're, of we're my trying kids. to figure out what update does. Ah. Uh. Function which uh, triggers the logic that would be triggered if this callback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a confusing sentence. What, what callback? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, uh, well, Brittany, we're doing a stream on forums, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. One of my picks is going to be our stream November 30th. I think we have it coming up. We're going to build out... Right now, we're using Sessionize for speaker submissions on Svelte Sirens, and we're just going to build it in Svelte Kit because why not? Yeah, and sounds good. What are we going to use as a backend? I didn't even think about that. You have to have somewhere to like get your form replies. Yeah, 
could use Buddy Base. They recently I, I, uh, released a I love Netlify form, so like I could just push them all to Netlify. So yeah, I mean that that works as well. <laughs> Probably don't, don't need anything that's too complicated, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that would be actually we wouldn't even there, have to use SpellKit. I, I I have a like vague memory of someone releasing like a SaaS service that literally just receives forms. Mm. Which could be interesting. That, that could I be might need to do some research before we uh, do yeah. that stream because I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so that's the the new update method that we have no idea what what it does. <laughs> Tutorials, please. I will have okay. No, I I was thinking a little bit about about it. So essentially, like right. um, use enhance is like a prevent default. It cancels any normal form submission callback that you might use uh, and then and then you sort of replace it with uh, the the function that you pass into use enhanced so the update is kind of like a callback to 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 go back in once it's enhanced uh, to go back in to the to the regular unenhanced uh, that, that's at least how I how I explain it so mm. <laughs> maybe not super clear but like I, I I think that the the analogy of prevent default and and then maybe uh, not preventing default is um, yeah. the the right one so <laughs> I still, I'm still going to need to try. <laughs> I'm just too confused. <laughs> All right. And then uh, there's uh, something else here. Yeah. I dropped in a last minute one that I realized yesterday, uh, AppRite, which is a database company, uh, went on product hunt and announced that they have their console 2.0 out and it is built in SvelteKit. And I saw it in action yesterday and it is really sharp looking. I like it a lot. And so I yeah. put a link to the uh, Twitter post about the console and the product hunt launch. And then there's the package.json link that shows that SvelteKit is being used. I can't actually get into the console right now. So I'm, I've been a little confused for the last few minutes looking for that. So I, I, I thought, right, yeah, yeah. So AppRite is like a like a Superbase, Firebase kind of Alternative, thing, right? Alternative, yeah. Or Pocketbase as well, I guess. Yep. Well, that's cool that they're using Svelte. Yeah, and... They sponsored Svelte Summit as well. The they did, yeah. Our lanyards have a uh, app right on them. Yeah, yeah. That uh, it's a great company. That's where my coding cat partner Alex works, and one of my picks too is also going to be about something that we're working on that's built on AppRight. So cool, exciting. Um, all right, I think uh, I think that's it for for topics, right? Unless you guys have anything. That's it. Else. Yep. That's it. Yeah. All right. Um, unpopular opinions. Last week, I, I my pick was Twitter is not going to fail. Uh, yeah, because today, I, I said Twitter was going to fail and then he had to counter me. And then I said I actually <laughs> wanted to ask Sean because you have more of that like marketing, like money brain. <laughs> From your Marketing financial money background, brain. <laughs> money brain. <laughs> so I'm wondering what your perspective is on Twitter failing and just going bankrupt in the next I year. Know. I don't know. Everything, <laughs> everything keeps changing. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening so, with the world? So up till yesterday, I would have agreed with Kev. Yesterday really changed a lot. So what happened yesterday was uh, Elon sent an email to the entire company talking about Twitter 2.0. And saying essentially, if, putting a link at the bottom, saying uh, we're, everyone's going to work extremely hard to make me good on my forty-four billion dollar investment. Mm -hmm. uh, sucks to be you, but if you're signed up, if you're signed up to do this incredibly hard journey of making a social media app, click here. And so you have to opt in to keep your job in twenty-four hours. 
or you get a three month severance and you know be on your way in the tech economy in in a, in a so ridiculous in an environment <laughs> where ridiculous. there's already been a hundred thousand people laid off uh, something like that. So like this is not something to take trivially. Like anywhere between, like this is opt in to keep your job. This is not opt out. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people are looking at their button today and going, man, I, I mean, three months severance, I can get a new job in three months, like no big deal. But if you're in right. a visa situation or any yes. other number of like situations where yeah. that you can't. Well, I mean, so, you know, as, as a visa holder myself, uh, it, it, you have some leeway to get a new job. Uh, some people, yes, they get shipped out immediately, but plenty, a lot of us uh, do have some grace, uh, particularly if okay. it's a layoff. So I think that's okay. I mean, not okay, but like, whatever. It's uh, it's it, that's the way things are. But like, seriously, ninety percent of the existing employee base could disappear uh, today, uh, this week, and I don't think Elon cares very much. And so, yeah, I think there's a, there's a good chance. Like, I've already backed up my data on Twitter. Like, uh, I'm prepared for shit to go down. <laughs> I requested mine, and I don't think I've gotten it yet. Their two FA yeah, system sure was down. Yeah. So when I requested my data, it said, <laughs> we're sending you a text message put in the code. And yeah. that was one of the microservices they got rid of. So that did yeah. not work. And luckily, the email one still works. So I was yeah. able to request the data, but yeah. I don't think I've received it yet. It's yeah, I'm sure it's a very popular button. You know, I'm sure everyone clicked on, on that. I'm sure they have a lot of uh, data to prep. I'm sure it's a very slow and unoptimized script because most companies do not take export of data seriously, right? Like, uh, it's not yeah. something that they're optimizing for. So yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's a it's a very unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'll say is like Elon seems fairly serious about Twitter. Like this is his job now. Um, I don't think it's the right thing. I don't I don't agree with it at all. But he does take it. You know, I mean, he does want to make a success of it. Like he's I, I don't I don't think he's trying to uh, run the company to zero um, as, as some people are suggesting. So we'll see what happens with that. Because I, I mean, like, if you do that, you don't do the things that he's been doing. So uh, it's yeah. it's very hard to reconcile his stated intentions versus his actions. Yeah, I I, I saw something about what's her name, uh, something Shotwell at SpaceX is taking over like the the CEO role there. From, uh, from I think she was always the CEO. Oh, maybe okay. Yeah, yeah, she's been running SpaceX for a while. Uh, it was yeah. Tesla. Tesla's the like, why would you drop Tesla to run Twitter? <laughs> yeah. It just makes no sense. <laughs> Tesla is way more important. Yeah, the world like doesn't make sense. Things are such a mess over there. And I heard when you do get your data, if you had anything that was in like a private circle or something that you didn't want public, that it's just kind of mixed in with your other data. It's not actually like secured away like you thought it was. Of course, of course, because no one bothered to think, think, think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... Nice. Yep. yep. All right. So, uh, unpopular opinions then. Um, uh, do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, no, you, you go first. So, okay. So, all search is AI. I feel like people don't treat this seriously enough. What search ultimately is, is you typing in what you want and the computer trying its best to get it back to you. So, a very simple search would be a filter, right? Like, take existing list, do exact string match. And then you're like, okay, but sometimes I do typos. Sometimes I need stemming. Stemming is the process of change uh, of taking out the the words. So, what's an example of stemming? Does it, does, it, does anyone know? Uh, I, I I feel like I need uh, some examples uh, pre baked. But essentially, let's say um, you have the word um, 
params and param. If, you, if I type in params, I want param to also show up. Um, so that is that is stemming, which is like let's reduce everything to like sort of a un, un, unit word, um, and then and then search based on that word, right? So that um, yep. that's a form of AI. I want a fuzzy search, which which means uh, I need to I need it to be resistant to typos. Um, so if I type in svelte or svelte, um, I, I need I need both to show up, you know, and and that's uh, you know there's there's some formulas to do with Lievenstein distance and all that, but like even that is not that great because sometimes you actually just want like the rough domain. You don't know you don't know what exact keywords to search for. So let's say like if I type in frameworks, I want svelte and React to show up, even though the word framework is not mentioned in the exact document. So what that requires is vector search. Meaning uh, the in in the mental space of concepts, the the word framework and the word svelte, the word the word React, all exist within uh, a nearest neighbor's function to each other, and so on and so forth, and all the way until you essentially get AI, where mm-hmm. uh, you interpret what the user's intent is and try to serve out the best intention for them. Um, so I think a lot of people like kind of don't get this this like, mental progression of like. Search is AI, <laughs> and uh, right. so I just wanted to to offer it. I, I don't know how obvious this is to people. Is this like the first time you've heard about something like this? I I mean I I haven't heard it in in that way, but I think it's obvious in hindsight once you hear it. Yeah, exactly. Kinda. Yes, right. So even things like hey, you know the combo box that Netlify shipped, or the combo box. Uh, oh, sorry, not the combo box. The uh, command E, like the you know the the command key bar that that every app has, right? Linear. Uh, even Alfred or uh, like yep. the command oh, palette, it, yeah, like the VS yeah. Code command palette. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, you, you know that feeling where you type in something that you want and then it doesn't show up because you typed in like you you you, you use the wrong word. Essentially, everyone needs some kind of language model essentially to to serve you what you want. And I think that this is not taken seriously enough, and or this is the way things are where everything's going to end up. Uh, we're we're going to have very small language models embedded in I- anything with a text box uh, because taking things literally is not the way that humans really want to interact. Uh, humans want to interact by saying what they want and then you give it to them, right? That, that's yeah. ultimately what it is. I guess um, it's kind of, kind of like a, like moving from an imperative way of thinking to like a declarative way. Somewhat, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, with some allowance for imprecision. But like there, I think there, there, is, there, there are many use cases where this is totally fine. Like it doesn't have to be precise. So, you know, programming is a precise format. Like Copilot is pretty much the, 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 the state of things. I, I, in, in my picks, I have a Copilot competitor. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, basically anywhere there's a text box, can you imagine a better user experience? Yes, if you and if you sort of offer some AI feature that basically instead of taking the user literally, try to understand what the user wants and give them what they want instead of what they ask for. Very very subtle difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, to to sum it up, your unpopular opinion is that search is AI, and not just yeah. I, I had an, I had a different uh, I, I typed in a different one at, at, at the start as well. So all if statements eventually become AI as well. <laughs> yes. So so if x more than y, for example, you know, mm-hmm. that is an arbitrary hard coded activation function that you could train with data, right? So mm-hmm. like let's say uh, um, sorry, am I am I losing you? I, I don't know if I should. I should, I should no, no, I, I I think I okay. So so. All right, let's let's say if like percentage of positive responses is more than 0.65 do x, right? Like that just an arbitrary like anytime you've hard coded any if statement at all, that is hard coding a decision node that someone made 
some product oh, manager, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, someone somewhere decided that you know if if some expression is equals evaluates to true, then then do this. But that decision or that the decision node is essentially some baked-in opinion that you might change based on data, based on how people actually interact with your service. And so instead of doing, instead of hard coding it in your code, why don't why don't you replace that with some feedback, uh, some backpropagation mechanism where you observe how users respond and and you know you update your your if statement based on that, right? Like that, yep. and that's ultimately what we do with human PMs that you can automate with uh, inhuman PMs. <laughs> <laughs> Poor product um, managers. Yes. Um, <laughs> not only that, so most of this, most if statements are done on an app-wide level, um, but with AI, you can kind of do it on a personal level. So like an, on an individual basis, how can you uh, optimize uh, for what people want? Yeah, so so I, I have a, a, I think a kind of interesting thing to say about this. Uh, so there was a some kind of project uh, a while back about doing analytics and using analytics to prefetch websites depending on where you go. So that would be like like a, a very rudimentary version of this would be like uh, oh you go to the homepage ninety percent of users then click on the product page. So we prefetch the product page. And if you go to the product page, we prefetch the, the first product or whatever. You could, you could probably train like an AI there because that's kind of what this is, right? The, like you have if statements basically, but then instead of an if statement, you just feed analytics data into it, into some kind of AI model. And out you get like a, a weighted score of some kind that you can use to prefetch and then yes. depending on, right? Yeah. Uh, so Gatsby did a demo of this. Uh, oh, really? At Chrome Dev Summit, uh, I think maybe four years ago, using Guest.js. Yeah, um, I think the potential is there. Obviously, the, the the hard part is, one, getting the data, and then two, yeah. implementing it in a lightweight fashion, right? Um, so I think there's, there's essentially a... So uh, you know, it doesn't have to be AI. It can just be feature flags, where uh, someone manually turning them on and off without changing the code. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is essentially a CMS, right? Um, and it, it could, could also be, um, yeah, just like personal uh, settings flags. Like essentially, like I think there's a data framework somewhere to be made that uh, offers this as a service, like turns every branching logic in in an app into something configurable and optimizable, whether by human or machine. Yeah, sounds so. like a billion dollar I don't know. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. I was like, "What's the potential of this?" I, I don't think it is. I, I think it's just no, a very simple, it's too small, yeah, feature flagging type of thing. And it's it's too small, or, or like it's it's too easily built by everybody. Um, you just have to make it an open secret that this is the best way to do uh, to to make apps. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I have no unpopular opinion this week. <laughs> <laughs> I only unpopular have opinions about opinion, the. the world uh, is fine. We yeah, talked about I, the Twitter stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last week we talked about it. Um, yeah, all right. And Brittany, you you don't have one either, I guess? No, I just wanted Sean's thoughts on the Twitter stuff. Right. That was kind of cool. like just bringing all that back up. That's yep. why I don't have another one. All right. And now let's, let's move on to, to picks. Okay. 
Um, I know I have quite a few in here, but really it's like one thing. Um, the app right thing, I realized why I couldn't get into the console, by the way. It's because right now you have to install it locally and then host it somewhere else or self-host it. But in a hopefully a month, they're going to have a cloud version of it. So right now you have to run the console yourself or host or whatever. But uh, that's why I couldn't find it earlier. Um, my first pick uh -huh. is for DevRel Social, which is something that Alex was working on in Next.js. And he has a working version on his Twitter where on the banner, you can add an emoji and it will add the emoji to the banner. And so we are going to be moving that to SvelteKit. And the first one we worked on yesterday is in there as a link oh. for our stream. I'm going to take a look at this later. Yeah. And uh, all right. Uh, the uh, the stream as well on the 30th. yeah yeah I, I have the stream in there that. but we did kind of mention it earlier but yeah. we're streaming on November thirtieth for form actions I just have to figure out where that backend's going to be or if we're going to do yeah we can talk later. about it later or yeah sounds good at some point right Sean um, yeah still on AI <laughs> <laughs> have you have you uh, fallen down the AI rabbit hole a little bit um, yeah. we'll see how far that goes. So last week, uh, while you were at JamstackConf, uh, there was also GitHub Universe that was going on. And they demoed uh, Hey GitHub, which is a voice uh, assistant for essentially GitHub Copilot plus OpenAI Whisper. Uh, it's, it's really nice for voice coding because if you've seen any voice coding demo in the past five years, uh, it's all been precise. It's all been, again, like entering this key. If I, if, I, if I say um at all, that might be interpreted as a, as a command. Uh, but I think... What Hey GitHub is is essentially like kind of like an Alexa type uh, thing where there there is some AI layer that tries to understand what you want and uh, gives you the code that you ask for, including navigating around VS Code itself. Um, and so I uh, I have RSI, uh, repetitive stress injury, uh, which means sometimes on my left hand I get pain when I type, um, which is which sounds like the most first world problem. Uh, it's like oh my, I, I type too much, my hands well, are hurting. Kind of rough when your job is about typing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I've been I've been uh, very excited about voice coding. Uh, I think uh, you know Scott Hanselman has this very famous blog post where. He basically says there's a limited amount of keystrokes that you have in your life, <laughs> so you should use them wisely because uh, you know <laughs> your, your body was not evolved for key, for typing on keyboards, and so I think uh, vo voice coding could be a lot better with uh, Hey GitHub. Uh, it's on a waitlist right now, but essentially, if you talk to me, uh, I can get you off the waitlist uh, if you're serious about giving feedback. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's uh, super useful. Um, on the non-GitHub side, because I don't want to be too much of a GitHub show, uh, there's Codium, which I saw, which I was demoed yesterday. Um, Codium is a independently created GitHub Copilot. Uh, if you're if you're not uh, a fan of GitHub, or if you if you want to see what alternatives uh, to Copilot look like. Um, small team of like four people coded this in a month um, and uh, created a complete GitHub uh, competitor, uh, a complete uh, co-pilot competitor. Um, so I, I'm pretty inspired by like one, uh, the fact that it was a small team that, that did this, but two also, it seems to be faster than co-pilot, um, which is pretty cool. Nice. I can check see it out that. As that well. sounds really interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my, uh, I'll, I'll be quick here because I know Brittany has to, has to run. So my uh, my pick is a game called Stacklands. It's five bucks on Stitch. What's it called? It's it's itch.io, not Stitch.io. And it's it's basically just a game of uh, you build a village. That's 
okay, that that was the worst description of a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like cards, and you build stuff, and you fight monsters, and it's pretty cool. Five bucks, uh, like huge value. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right, I think that's uh, that's it for us. Next week we'll probably be talking to uh, Penguin about Gradio. So uh, oh, that's going to be interesting. Fun. Hey, yeah. Penguin. So uh, yeah, well, until next his, week. Check out his talk from Scott Summit if you haven't uh, seen it. It's, it's one good. of the most uh, unusual talks I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll, we'll see you next week. Bye. Yeah, see you next time. Bye.